Welcome to Home of the Brave. I'm Scott Carrier. The next few stories are going to be about the battle over public land in southern Utah, specifically an area called the Bears Ears, where President Obama, at the request of five native tribes, created a new national monument the size of the state of Delaware, and then President Trump shrunk it by 85%, cutting it into two small islands with new names. Now there's a bill in Congress, H.R. 4532, that would give management of the new monuments to state representatives rather than federal. It's part of a larger movement throughout the West for states to gain control over federal land. It's a long and complicated story, and I wanted to begin by finding a context that will make it easier to understand. So I went to an expert, Terry Tempest-Williams, who's been writing and speaking out on the subject for close to 40 years. She grew up in Salt Lake in a Mormon family. I think this story about Bears Ears and Bears Ears National Monument is a story about power. The power of the land, the power of the federal government, the power of the Mormon church, the power of the fossil fuel industry, and the power of Native people. We may think it's about rural people versus urban. Uh, we may think it's about tribal sovereignty or environmental protection or multiple use on our public lands. But I think it ultimately is about power. So what type of power are you talking about? For me, I think it's spiritual power. And in Utah, we don't talk about that because there's one dominant spiritual power, and that's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And it's hidden, but we all feel it. We've been raised with it. We've fought it. And we have been undone by it. We see racism. We see sexism. We see greed. You know, I was raised um, to believe in the Book of Mormon, and that is a story of Native people uh, in Mormon culture, Mormon religion. Okay, so I, could you explain the story in the Book of Mormon? Could you condense it? I don't think I can. Well, then I'll give it a try because I think it's important to understand Mormon beliefs about Native Americans, who they are and where they came from. It's going to take a few minutes and then I'll come back to Terry. Let's begin in the year 1827 A.D. as the angel Moroni leads the young Joseph Smith to a set of golden plates buried in the woods near the Finger Lakes of western New York. The angel Moroni knows where the plates are buried because he buried them himself back in the year 421 A.D., back when he was a human being, Captain Moroni, leader of the Nephite people. Joseph Smith uncovers the golden plates, and the angel Moroni tells him they are a book, the Book of Mormon, a history of the first people to live in the new world, the land of promise, America. The text is written on plates in reformed Egyptian hieroglyphics, which Joseph Smith translates using seer stones, smooth, round rocks bound into a set of spectacles. The story told in the book begins in 600 B.C. in Jerusalem among the Israelites who have become wicked in the eyes of the Lord, an abomination unto the Lord, 
and God is getting ready to wipe out the whole city and send his chosen people into bondage in Babylonia. But among the Israelites, there is one good man, a righteous man, and his name is Lehi. God speaks to Lehi. He says, You need to gather your family together and get out of town quick. Don't even try to gather up your stuff. Leave your money behind and flee into the wilderness. So Lehi and his family wander in the wilderness for eight years, and then they come to the ocean somewhere. It's not clear. But there, God tells them to build a boat, a big boat, which they sail in across the ocean to the New World, what we now call South America. And there, they prosper and multiply, but very quickly the house of Lehi splits into two warring factions, the Nephites and the Lamanites. The Nephites are righteous in the eyes of the Lord and are blessed with white and delightsome skin whereas the Lamanites are wicked in the eyes of the Lord and are cursed with dark skin. And it came to pass, over the centuries, yea, even a millennium, the two factions fought many battles while simultaneously migrating thousands of miles north to what we now call the Finger Lakes District of Western New York. And there they fought their last battle. Yea, verily I say unto you, Captain Moroni, leader of the Nephites, had in his possession at that time the history of his people recorded on golden plates. And as the last great battle was taking place, Moroni wrote the last chapter of the book, describing how he just watched 230,000 of his men get slaughtered in a single day by a much larger Lamanite army. Then he buries the book because he knows he will be killed as well. And that's the end of the Nephites. The Lamanites, however, went on and populated across North America, only to be discovered more than a thousand years later by European explorers who called them Indians. I'm not making this up. Joseph Smith made it up. But for Mormons, just because he made it up doesn't mean it isn't true. You know, so you're raised not to see Indian people, Native people. Uh, you know, Scott, I don't even know how to talk about it. Just the very word itself, Lamanite, is a degradation of Native people. And that's how we were raised to see a culture that we live right alongside of, many cultures, whether it was Ute, Navajo, Shoshone, Paiute, um, Goshute, Hopi, Zuni, you know, the Rio Grande Pueblo people, um, these were Lamanites, and they had dark skin because of, of the sin of their ancestors. So right there, that is an unspoken aspect of racism that is inherent in the very religion that I was raised in. It's not talked about. And so, you know, you've got that on the table with Bears Ears National Monument, and you have the complexity of the tribes themselves. You have the complexity of the diversity of the people within the tribes. Like what, for instance? Um, for example, within the Navajo Nation, you have those who are supporting the monument. You have Navajos who are not supporting the monument. I think the press of the fossil fuel industry, you know, our governor, Orrin Hatch, 
Rob Bishop. They will say it has nothing to do with the fossil fuel industry. I think it has a great deal to do with uranium, oil and gas, coal. I think that's why, you know, the boundaries have shrunk. I think that's why it's been split in half. I think that's why the names have changed. Um, it's become so confusing to everyone. And I think we each of us have to say, what kind of power are we talking about? If you see that there's an illness in your body or in the body politic or in the community, you identify what that illness is. And then you aggressively pull that splinter out. Then you can start to heal. I think our problem with Bears Ears National Monument, if we have not we have not fully really seen where the sickness is. And if we don't know what the sickness is, if we don't know what the illness is in our culture, in our civilization, in this country we call America, then I think it's all going to come out sideways. And I think it has to do with grief. You know, maybe that's what we're really talking about, the power of grief, the power of loss the loss of control, the loss of species, the loss of land, the loss of solitude. Maybe, maybe that's what this is about, is that all of our hearts are broken and we don't even know why. I think that's a good place to end this first segment. In the next, I'm going to start with a petroglyph of a mammoth etched into a rock wall near the bear's ears 10,000 years ago by the real first inhabitants of the New World. There's a link to some of Terry Tempest Williams' work on our website, homebrave.com. Her newest book is The Hour of the Land, A Personal Topography of America's National Parks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>